Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Hello, everyone. It is August 4th, 2016, and you are listening to the Locked On Magic Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I am the editor of OrlandoMagicDaily.com, and we've got a, a fun show, I hope, in store for you today. We're thinking... About some history things, uh, there was a good classic Orlando Magic game on NBA TV yesterday. There's going to be a few Magic games. I checked the schedule on NBA TV, some good, cl- some classic Magic games, so be sure to check that out. I'll have a, a, a nice little reminder of that for you uh, up on the site today and then uh, later on in the show as well. Uh, you've also got a few other things that we should address uh, here on today's Thursday edition of Locked on Magic, but... Before we get going, I got to do my daily reminder to follow us and subscribe on iTunes. Get us directly onto your iPhone or mobile listening device or your iTunes enabled listening device. Drop us a review. I'm really appreciative of all the the kind words and responses that I've gotten to this podcast. It's been probably the best part about doing this is seeing how how much people really enjoy it. I got a, a nice shout out yesterday from... From someone that I was very, that I was actually surprised to hear from. So uh, thank you everyone for listening and uh, being engaged here during one of the dead times of the season. It's certainly a little, little quiet in the Magic Kingdom right now as we uh, get closer and closer to the Olympics. Uh, also, be sure to follow us on Audio Boom or Stitcher if you don't get uh, iTunes or if you don't have an iTunes enabled listening device. Uh, you can get Locked On Magic in a number of different ways uh, as well. On today's episode, uh, I've got our mini mailbag. Got a couple of questions about Alfred Payton that uh, I think I'm going to try and answer and uh, address. I've also got uh, a discussion, a small discussion about where the 2016 Magic rank in team history. Uh, I wrote a little bit, a little bit of an article about that, but uh, definitely uh, an intriguing team to place within the annals of uh, Orlando Magic history. Uh, you know, not a long history, obviously, but there's still some interesting teams and, and some interesting discussion of where they go. But first, we have to stop and congratulate the NBA mascot of the year, Stuff. Yes, the lovable green giant was named the NBA mascot of the year at the annual NBA mascot conference. It's the first time Stuff has ever won the award, and Stuff Stuff had a pretty good year. I mean, you look, if you have went to Magic Games like I did, you saw... Just about everything he did, whether it was throwing pies in people's faces, I think during the Minnesota game, he was about to throw a pie in a fa- in some dude's face, and uh, the dude took his kid and used him as a body shield. It was very disgraceful. Uh, he did somersaults off of ladders. You know, he had his he he, he loves doing his, his over the head half court shot. But of course, the highlight of Stuff's season was participating in the slam dunk contest, being part of one of the greatest slam dunk contests of all time. Uh, just a really, you know, again, I don't know exactly how they judge these things or, or what they do, but Stuff had some pretty solid skits. I thought his undercover boss skit was uh, not too bad. Uh, you know, certainly when you go to every game, you see a lot of the same stuff, so uh, it gets some, some of it can get a little kitschy and annoying, but that's what mascots are, and, and they're there to put a smile on kids' faces and, and be a good face for the team, and Stuff 
is all around the community. He's, uh, you know, whoever, whoever play, whoever plays stuff, but, uh, they, they get the mascot all, all around the community. He, he is really good at what he does. Uh, and obviously at the forefront, uh, of the mascot community as well. So, uh, hearty, hearty congratulations to stuff. You know, we love stuff here at Orlando magic daily. Uh, always love stuff. Uh, was happy when he lost weight, but, but kind of would like to see fat stuff back. But, uh, that's neither here nor there. The stuff as he is, as it is, as it is, uh, is a uh, fantastic mascot. And the Magic are very, very lucky to have him as part of their entertainment crew. So once again, a big congratulations to Stuff, the NBA mascot of the year. Now let's turn to something a little bit more serious, and that's uh, today's uh, featured segment. Uh, where do the Orlando Magic fit, the 2016 Orlando Magic fit in team history? Uh, this is not an easy question to answer, believe it or not. Uh, I, I had a tough time kind of wrestling and grappling with where to put them. Um, they're, you know, if, if you look at the progression the team has made, certainly within the narrative of Magic Basketball, it's, it was a transition year. Uh, essentially, uh, as I said, this was the year the Magic were supposed to have last season. If, if last season, if the 2015 season went according to plan, that this, the 2016 season was the year they would have had. So it was kind of a, a course correction season. They won 35 games. Uh, uh, they were slightly improved on offense, slightly improved on defense, just were just kind of a middling team. And those are the teams that are always the most difficult to play. So it's easy to say, oh, the 2009 team, the 95 team, the 2010 team, the 96 team are the, are the four best in team history. I'm not going to rank order them, but those four teams are the best in team history. After that, you've got your playoff teams, you know, your 94, 2008, 2011, 97, uh, 2003, uh, the, the 93 team that, that tied for the eighth seed but missed the playoffs. Uh, you know, you've got those teams are all kind of bunched up in the middle. And that takes you to about, oh, I'd say 50, the 15, 16 best teams in Magic history. Then you have that outlier, the 98 team, which, which finished 500 but didn't make the playoffs. Then, you know, they're probably sitting there. I've got them at, at like 16, 17 uh, under the statistical model that I use. You've got... The strange 99 team, which we're going to talk a little bit more about, I think, later on in the summer, uh, that finished tied for first in the conference, but was that team was just terrible, as all the teams that lockout year were terrible. Um, they lost in the first round anyway, so we don't really remember them. And, uh, and of course, you have Heart and Hustle, um, which I think is, you know, probably most beloved team in, in Magic history. They're, they're, they're up near the top 15. So, you know, we're looking at a team that despite its record alone is probably somewhere near the 20s in terms of their placement in Magic history. But it's also kind of a lost team because no one remembers those 30-win teams. Who re- I mean, unless you're a Magic history wonk like I am, who remembers the first two years under- with Dwight Howard? Who remembers the Steve Francis years? Who remembers the early the early '90s team uh, when the Magic were beginning to transition out of expansion uh, and start having to deal with expectations? 
this 2016 team is firmly placed in that group. My statistical model has them 25th, but uh, it also doesn't tend to the way the way I kind of model things. It doesn't tend to to treat new teams very very fairly. It either overrates them or underrates them, and over time they kind of settle in where they're going to be. So I imagine when we look back at this 2016 season, they won't be the 25th team. I have them kind of like, if I were to poll myself, I'd, I'd put them like 21st, 22nd. To me, when you look at the the 30-win teams in Magic history, you've got the 05-06 seasons where the Magic went 36 and 46. Those were Dwight Howard's first two years. You've got the 91 season, the second year of franchise history where they went 31 and 51. And then you have the 2016 season. Among those four, te- four teams, I would say the Magic are second. I think the 2006 season was kind of the season Magic really wanted this year if they were going to end up winning 30 games. They trimmed some fat. I mean, just so you remember that season, the Magic were 36 and 46 the previous year. They came back with Steve Francis. Dwight Howard was in his second year. Jameer Nelson was in his second year. And things just weren't right. It was, a, it was just a struggle all year. They fired Johnny Dent in the middle of the season. They brought Chris, Dre- Chris Gent in. Uh, they, they started trimming the fat. They traded Steve Francis uh, midseason. Hito Turkoglu was still kind of figuring himself out. Uh, Dwight Howard was starting to emerge, and it was clear that, that the team had a future in him. And very similar to the 2016 team, it was a tale of two seasons. The Magic started the 2016 season 19 and 13. The 2006 team finished the season 16 and 6. And this is a question that's been asked of me a lot. If you flip the Magic season around, how would we feel about them? How would we feel about the Magic if instead of starting 19 and 13, they started 2 and 12 and finished 19 and 13? Would that change our mindset about the summer? There is a recency bias. There's absolutely a recency bias here. And that's kind of clouding our thoughts of the 2016 season. We remember the 19 and 13 start and ask, what happened in January? Something's clearly wrong. Whereas the 2016, like, clearly something was wrong. They fixed it. And they started making a run toward the end of the season. And it was clear there was a future. Just because of how the season ended. This Magic team didn't have that. It didn't have, it didn't have that, that bright mindset heading into the offseason that, hey, we've got something. It, instead, it went into the offseason saying, we're still not quite sure what we have. And for that reason, I would put this team beneath that one. When you talk about the 2005 team, I think you're getting into a really good debate over which team was better. That was Dwight Howard's rookie year. He had Steve Francis. Uh, when Hito Turkoglu was healthy, I believe Hito Turkoglu broke his arm like uh, three weeks before the season ended, and that ended the Magic's playoff hopes. They just couldn't recover from that because Grant Hill was out with the sports hernia. Uh, Turkoglu broke his arm, and they just didn't have anyone to, to man that spot anymore and produce. And Francis was being Steve Francis and Doug Christie was pouting and not showing up. And it was like the end of that season was a train wreck.
And actually, now that I think about it, I think I had the, the Chris Gent year wrong. The 2005 year was Johnny Davis, Chris Gent. 2006, Brian Hill was the head coach. So I apologize for, for the error there. I'm sure everyone's angrily was angrily tweeting before I made that correction. So, you know, we're talking, I mean, in the long run, we're talking the 2016 season as, of, as kind of near the bottom, and certainly in the bottom half, but near the bottom as far as Magic teams. The worst team in Magic history is probably the 2004 team. If not the 2004 team, then the 2013 team. The 1990 and 92 teams are, are in the mix. Those are kind of your bottom four. 2004, I, I certainly think that the Magic in 2016 were better than 14 and 15. So there's your bottom six. That gets you to, what, 22? And then you hit this group of teams. The, the, this 30 win te- these 30-win teams that... Uh, that just could not climb over the hump or were transitioning to something. And the reason why I think 2006 gets the, the nod over 2016 is the Magic were clearly transitioning to something. They were clearly growing into something, and they eventually did by making the playoffs in 2007. So that team's probably, what, 17th, 18th best in team history? And that would make the 2016 team the 19th or 20th best in team history. And I think our perception of the 2016 season could change with how this team does. Now, so much of the 2017 team is different than the 2016 team that it isn't a straight line. This 2016 team is going to kind of be seen in history as a turning point of some point, of some sorts. It's either going to be made worse by... Rob Hennigan getting fired because his team couldn't take the leap and the 2016 season will be seen as a turning point where he got pushed to to start winning now and the team wasn't ready and this was the year things had to fall into place and they didn't, so it's a, it's a failure year. Or it could be seen as a, as a season where it was like the rebuild from those first three years wasn't working out and the Magic made a new plan. And still that season gets kind of lost. This is a year that's going to get pushed down and down and down and probably be forgotten at the end of the day. Only seen as a turning point in philosophy. But without a true star on the team, it's hard to define this era of Magic Basketball. Again, some of that might be because we don't know how the story ends. And so maybe that's, maybe it's too early to place them somewhere in the team's history. But at the same time, it it does feel like this 2016 team, for whatever small progress they made from the previous three years of the rebuild, is a somewhat forgettable team. It's not a team we're going to talk about lovingly in Magic history. It's not a team. It's a team that we're going to completely forget, and that's why it gets ranked so low and deservedly should be ranked. Very low in Magic history. It wasn't the worst season in team history. Not by far. There are clearly five or six teams in Magic history that are worse than the 2016 team. But it's not necessarily one of the great seasons, one of the great, even mediocre seasons the Magic have had. And 
what we witnessed this this past season is still kind of hard to figure out. And I think history is going to have a hard time figuring it out as well. So, sorry about that. My mic just fell. Um, so, be, you know, give us, drop us a line if you have any thoughts on that discussion about Magic history. I would love to know who you think are the best teams in Magic history, who are the worst teams in Magic history, who are the underrated teams that, that, that no one appreciates as much. And, you know, everyone, everyone will say heart and hustle. Uh, so maybe leave them off. But, uh, well, you know, now that things are really slowing down, we may do some more history stuff. Um, like I said, um, uh, NBA TV is airing a few old Magic games uh, that I think are a lot of fun to watch. I think they're doing like a Shaq week this week. Uh, so they aired the Magic Bulls game from 1992 yesterday. Uh, where Shaq scored 29, Michael Jordan had 64, but the Magic win in overtime. Uh, I did a, a brief write-up on, on that. It uh, should be up on OrlandoMagicDaily.com by the time you listen to this, so be sure to check that out. Now I'm going to move on to our weekly mini mailbag. So I got a few questions here in the mini mailbag, uh, some banked up from last, last week or last week's show. Um, so let me try and answer a few questions here. Uh, from Kent at KCross1317, he asks, uh, good to hear from you again, Kent. Um, he asked this last He asked this uh, last week, it looks like, but I'm going to answer it now. Uh, if you were Coach Vogel, game tied, 10 seconds left, magic possession, who gets the ball to hit the last bucket? I'm not a guy that believes in having a go-to player. I, I, think, I think that's a really inefficient way to run an offense. I think the best way to... I think the best way to uh, to play this, to, to play a last-second uh, possession, is to run your offense. Find a matchup and exploit it. You don't need a guy. Now, 10 seconds left, you don't have a lot of time to run a, a complete offensive set, obviously. But one-on-one play is not going to be the most efficient way to get a bucket. I think what you want to do with 10 seconds left is get the ball, You know, and I guess this will answer your question, I'd get the ball to Evan Fournier, run a pick and roll with Serge Ibaka. Uh, I would I would spread the floor. I would probably put, uh, you know, what we're down, we're tied. So uh, we're tied. I would probably have Vucevic. I'd probably run a pick and roll with Fournier and Vucevic. I'd have Vucevic, Ibaka, uh, Hazonia Meeks, or Hazonia Fournier, and and uh, DJ Augustin on the floor. Spread the floor out. One possession. So no 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 feelings are getting hurt. We don't need to get back on defense. I would spread the I would spread the floor out with that group, and for, have Fournier run a pick and roll with Vucevic, or have Augustin run a pick and roll with Vucevic, with the idea of he's either going to drop it down to Vucevic or kick it back out to Fournier for a three, or for Fournier to drive real fast and, and pull up for a mid range jumper. To me, the idea is not to set up an isolation one on one play. I just I just don't a I don't like that kind of offense, especially late in games. I prefer running an offensive set and having an actual plan and trying to get an open shot. Um, and this team's just not built for isolation play. So doing that, running an isolation set with 10 seconds left is not who this team is or should be and is not a, an effective way to score. So I, I, I would kind of set up a simple pick-and-roll play, maybe have a cutter off the ball as an option for, for whoever's driving it. Uh, I would have the point guard kind of run the pick and roll, look for, for look for Fournier to spring free as the defense collapses around you or drop it down to Vucevic, who we know 
can score. I mean, it's probably, honestly, Vucevic is probably the best one-on-one offensive player on the team anyway. So if he has the ball in his hands late in the game, it's not a huge issue. To me, it's just about having options. With 10 seconds left, you obviously don't have a lot of time, but the more options you have to score, the better chance you're going to get a good shot. And I think that's what's most important. Um, Next question comes from Ringo at MagicMan816. He asks, isn't Frank Vogel our most important offseason acquisition, and why doesn't that seem to matter to other sites? A lot, a lot of the te- a lot of the sites predicting the season had the Magic still finishing in the twelve thirteen range. I think that says more about the doubt that people have about the roster. But I think you're right, Ringo. I think Frank Vogel is a big boost to this team. Um, like we've said on the podcast, like I've said on numerous places, defense is going to be the key to getting in the playoffs. And if the Magic can play defense at an elite level, they're going to have a very good shot at making the playoffs. Statistically, that's just the truth. So. You know, I I don't know. I don't know if um you know, I, I don't know what's gonna happen this year. I'm still a little I'm not hundred percent sold that the team's gonna make that leap that they need to make. Um as particularly I'm still very I've I've got a lot of doubts about a lot of things. I think they're gonna really struggle to score. But yes, I think Frank Vogel is going to get some players back on track. I think we'll see Alfred Payton get back to at least where he was his rookie year, probably a little bit further, because there were some some positive signs from Alfred throughout his throughout his second season. Uh, I think we'll see the Magic begin to to take some steps forward, and uh, and I think Vogel will, will be a big part of that. He'll set a culture that that hasn't been set on this team before. Um, but at the end of the day. How much is that really going to get you? Five more wins? Okay, that puts you at 40. That gets you in the conversation. It's still about talent. It's still about what you do on the floor. And a coach can only control so much. And so I think, yeah, I think some of these sites are probably underrating what Vogel is going to bring to the team and and, and how good Vogel is as a coach. But I think also this this, uh, I also think... There are some, still some serious doubts about what this team can be. No one really knows uh, who they are, and a coach can only do so much. It's still about who you put on the floor and the talent that you have. And Vogel is very, very good. I think he will improve the team. I think I think everyone is kind of underselling the magic just a little bit. But the East got a lot tougher. Um, you know, I think a forty-one win season would be a really good would be a good season for the Magic. Uh, so uh, I, I'm I, I don't know exactly what. That put where that puts them in the East. Um, I have them better than a few teams that 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 other sites do not have them better as better than. Um, you know, I'm not particularly high on the Bucks. I'm not particularly high on the Heat right now. So I, you know, I would say the Magic are probably better than the Magic could be better than those two teams, and that gets them the tenth. From there, New York is a huge question mark in my mind, and uh, you know, I don't know much. I don't know about Chicago. Very, I don't know about Chicago, uh, Washington, Charlotte. You know, those those are the kind of the teams you're competing with. So, you know, I I don't know what that what that means or why other sites are kind of discounting that. But it's all a matter of preference. You know, maybe they see Frank Vogel is doing his best and they're still stuck at 35 wins because because of the ta- the talent on the roster. So uh, we'll see about that. There are a lot of questions about the Magic, and like I've kind of tried to say. Uh, these pre- these preseason predictions are about certainty and how certain someone feels about a group. There isn't a lot of certainty about the Magic, and so 
they're going to be low. They're going to be the, if, if they make the playoffs, they'll be the surprise team that makes the playoffs. So just keep that in mind. Don't read too much into those. Our final question today comes from Matteo. Sorry if I mispronounced that. At, at Matteo Vidal. He asks, is Alfred Payton a realistic long-term option at the one, or should the Magic look to draft a point guard in upcoming drafts? I think Alfred Payton is still a realistic option at the one. Uh, It feels like I'm kind of in the minority on that because of how much he struggled last year. But I still think Payton can can get there. He's shown a lot of good things. And frankly, when the Magic were really good last year, it wasn't because of Victor Oladipo. It wasn't because of Evan Fournier. It wasn't because of Nikola Vucevic. It was because of Alfred Payton. Alfred Payton finding some consistency uh, makes the Magic significantly better. Like, above 500 better. They were 19 and 13. He really struggled last year for whatever reason. Whether he was, you know, pouting because he didn't like Skiles. Whether he was actually hurt and couldn't physically do some things. We, we may never know the true answer to that question. Because his defensive numbers slipped. And you didn't need to look at those numbers to know that his defense slipped. You could see it plainly on the floor. He was struggling to keep opposing point guards out of the lane. Like we've said before, like I've said before, like uh, one of our writers on OrlandoMagicDaily.com said before, regaining his defense is the big thing he has to do this season. He has to regain his defensive uh, acumen. And if he can do that, you know, the Magic will be in very, very good shape because despite the fact that he struggles to shoot in defenses, no, he can't shoot. He's one of those guys that knows how, knows how to eat up that space and still create for others. You kind of have to stay up on him because giving him space gives him space. And he's good enough with the floater to, to make it. And as bad as his shooting percentages might be, he still improved over his rookie year. He got That was like one thing he actually was better at was he was a better shooter last year. Now, he's not a good shooter by any means yet, and te- teams are still not going to respect him, but... He was not a bad shooter. He was, he was not a worse shooter last year. So there's still room for improvement, and he's clearly made some improvement. But for him, it's got to come on the defensive end. His ability to make it in this league is going to be on the defensive end. And this is a make-or-break year. If Peyton, does, if Peyton turns out not to be a realistic long-term option at the one, it would not surprise me if the Magic go after a veteran. This is a point guard-heavy free agent class coming up. Uh, Russell Westbrook's been taken out of it, but you still got Jeff Teague. Uh, you still got, you know, Stephen Curry's probably a little far out there, but there are a lot of quality point guards coming up in this upcoming free agency class. And there's and then the draft is also an option, although I don't think at this stage where the Magic are at, they want to go younger. So I think I think Peyton can get there, though. I really think Peyton can get back to that level. He gets back to even his rookie year level. And I think this is where Vogel is going to help him out a lot. Um, I think if he can do that, and I, not only Vogel, I think this is where Abaka and Biombo are going to help him out a lot. If he can do that, I think the Magic will be in very, very good shape, and they'll be set at point guard. Like I've kind of said with Peyton, I, I feel like Peyton and Vooch were in the same boat after last year. Point guard and center are such two important positions in the NBA today that... If you have viable options at either, you're not in a position to to downgrade there or to move them because you don't because you just need you need at least a viable option. So you can't trade them or move them until you have the replacement in place. 
The reason why I feel more comfortable talking about Vucevic trade scenarios is because Biombo and Ibaka are there. And I feel like the Magic have the center position nailed down and Vucevic just seems extraneous for you know, a number for a few reasons. But that, that, that's another discussion, obviously. Peyton's kind of the same way. Peyton is a good option. Right now, he's not a great option, but he's a good option. He'll get the job done. You want him to more formally establish himself and prove his worth to you because, yes, this is his third year. It's, it's, time, to, it's time to think about paying him. But you can't really move him around yet until you know you have a better option waiting in the wings. So that would be my consideration when thinking about Alfred. I think I think Peyton can be a long-term point guard. I think he can be a good I think he can be a solid point guard. I don't know about championship level point guard, but right now the Magic just want to get into the playoffs and Peyton is a is a good option. So uh, that would be my consideration there. Uh, once again, everyone, I want to thank you all for listening to Locked On Magic. I uh, had, uh, hope we hope we had another good show, another interesting discussion. Uh, like I said, NBA TV has been playing a lot of old old Magic games. Uh, there'll, there'll be a few more coming up. I think they're going to be playing some games from the 2009 season, so we may uh, have some 2009 discussions pretty soon. That, that was a fun team to watch. You know, uh, hopefully, I'll watch some of these games live and either periscope them or, or do something to. Uh, to, to, to enjoy these games with, with everyone once again and uh, have some fun with it as well. Uh, having said that, be sure to check out the Orlando Magic Daily Video Vault. Uh, if you don't know what this is, and I'm starting to run a little long, but if you don't know what the Orlando Magic Daily Video Vault is, go to orlandomagicdaily.com. You'll see on the menu bar, there'll be a tag called Video Vault. YouTube is a literal uh, treasure trove of old NBA videos, including complete games from the 1990s. And so what I've done, one of, one of the projects that I've completed or tried to complete in, uh, the, in, the Orlando, in on Orlando Magic Daily is to put all these videos in one place. So if you want, if you woke up, to, think of it, think of it sort of like, a, I don't know if anyone has this, but think of it sort of like a, the WWE Network or HBO Go. If you wanted to watch The Sopranos Season 5 on HBO Go, you can go to HBO Go and watch it. If you wanted to watch a, a, a match on WWE Network from like 1999, you can go find it. My database isn't that full, obviously, because I don't have the rights to those, to those games, but whatever I find, whatever I find on YouTube, I, I put up on the Orlando Magic Daily Video Vault. So if you want to go watch the Eastern Conference Semifinals Game 1 between the Magic and the Bulls, I have the complete game as it was broadcast on NBC on the website. Uh, the, the game that I watched yesterday, the, the Magic Bulls game from January 1993, uh, a good chunk of that game, or at least highlights of that game, are available on orlandomagicdaily.com inside the video vault. So if you have a, if you have a game, if you find videos, send, send them my way. I, I want these videos, and I want to put them all in one place as a resource for Magic fans to... Uh, to watch some old games and, and learn a little bit more about their team's history. So be sure to check out the Orlando Magic Daily video vault uh, on orlandomagicdaily.com. It's a labor of love, and, and I hope you all enjoy it. I, I, I leave it there as a resource for all of you guys. That'll do it for today's show, though. I want to thank everyone for listening and, and engaging in this discussion. Uh, I will, you, know, you can always follow me on Twitter at omagicdaily. Happy to answer any questions that you have, not just for the mini mailbag, but anytime. And of course, thank you all for listening. I'll catch you guys tomorrow here on Locked On Magic. 
Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.